I'm like I'm welling up thinking about that scene. It's just one of the one of the best bits of TV I've ever seen. Once again, is this a safe space? Can I say something without judgment or or at least consternation? This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, our review of the year that was 2023. Plus, we're going to be looking ahead to what we've got coming in 2024. My name is Adam Henning, and in the TV DNA End of Year Awards, he's been voted most likely to break out into song. It's Damien Cooper. What? <laughs> you mean you didn't have a song prepared? Um, oh, sure. Um, I mean, I, I could do the new TV DNA theme tune if you'd like. Go for it. TV DNA, TV DNA. We're here to brighten your day. It's Adam, Neil, Grace, Izzy and Damien. And sometimes <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> You've done the rest of the intros for me, but most likely to have a killer mushroom pun up their sleeve. It's Izzy Dixon. Hello. Happy New Year, listeners. Did you have a good Christmas, Izzy? I had a lovely Christmas. It was very enjoyable. Caught up on some TV, as I'm sure we all did. And yeah, just generally ate a lot and had a great time. Fantastic. Most likely to express their love for Roman Roy, it's Neil Shepek. Feliz Navidad, everyone. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved my Christmas TV. There was some great Christmas specials on. And just over the last couple of days, chilling. I've, I've eaten far too much and drank far too much. But um, yeah, just thinking back over the last year, so much great TV. And, yeah, I'm really missing Roman. <laughs> and rounding out our quintet, most likely to have a fine time on a Friday night, it's Grace Chapman. Oh, happy Twixmas, everybody. Or as I like to say, happy Gooch. <laughs> How was your Friday night? What day of the week actually is it right now? Because I couldn't possibly tell you which <laughs> night. Which night you're possibly referring to? Uh, is it what, like, actually, genuinely, what day of the week is it right now? <laughs> Saturday. Ah, oh, okay. Right. How was last night? How was your Friday yesterday? Oh, it was a classic of the genre, guys. I stayed in and watched a lot of television. <laughs> right. Well, before we get into our top shows of 2023, here's a little reminder of what we had on our TV. We had. One Piece, Three Little Birds, Daisy Jones and the Six, Platform Seven, Inside Number Nine, and Fifteen Love. We had an after party with the diplomat, the consultant, the newsreader, and Colin from Accounts. We had the Change and the Changeling, Silo, Loki, and Hijack. We had the Wolf, the Bear, Slow Horses, Reservation Dogs, and Squid Game: The Challenge. We were dreaming whilst Black, Black Ops, Black Snow, Black Mirror. Blue Eye Samurai, Blue Lights, Yellow Jackets, The Gold, and a Kaleidoscope. We had Steel Town Murders, Only Murders in the Building, A Murder at the End of the World, A Heartstopper, Dead Ringers, Dead to Me, and A Deadlock. We've been Shrinking, Extraordinary, Unforgotten, Obliterated, Invincible, Smothered, and Such Brave Girls. We had Monarch, The Crown, The Winter King, and The Return of Fraser Crane. Not even The Foundation, The Crowded Room, and The Woman in the Wall could prevent the fall of the House of Usher. We had The Last of Us, You and Me, and All the Light We Cannot See. And we said goodbye to Catherine Kaywood, Logan Roy, Duchesne and Sully from Top Boy, and also Barry, Sex Education, and The Servant. Why? 
Amazing work, Adam. Thank you very much. We know what Adam's been doing over Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so much TV DNA admin. <laughs> we've come up with our top five each and we've combined those into a TV DNA top five. But before we reveal who those were, let's have a little chat about those that scored but didn't quite make the top five. So those shows that were in individual top fives included Ahsoka, Beef, Top Boy, Doctor Who, Sex Education, Reservation Dogs and Blue Lights. So those were the shows that narrowly missed out on being in our combined top five. Neil, any of those that you want to comment on? Ahsoka, just amazing. Obviously a huge Star Wars fan, as any listeners will know, and certainly the the four others of you, this five is on my screen. Ahsoka was just amazing, or Rebels season five, if you want to look at it like that. I cannot wait to see what they do next with that. Amazing characters, amazing performances, and great action. There was another one amongst those. Sex education is definitely, well, well, was in my top five. I just thought all four series of sex education were amazing and were just great for dealing with sexual issues, whether it be identity or diseases or um, encounters in a very responsible but very comedic way. And Series 4, I think, finished off (laughs) amazingly, spectacularly. I love a good finish off. And then I guess moving from Sex Education onto Doctor Who and Judy Gatwa, he keeps going. He's amazing. Um, at some point, we might reference the Christmas special, which was his first proper appearance as the Doctor after the David Tennant, Chuch Gatwa, by Regeneration. And I thought he was awesome in that. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the Christmas special. I thought it was a really great introduction to him as a, as a, a full Doctor. Damo, how about you? Anything you want to say about Top Boy or Beef that you haven't already said? Uh, I mean, what is there to say about Top Boy um, that we haven't already said on this pod other than it's an absolute crime it didn't make the top five? I I suddenly feel like maybe I should put it higher in my top five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just such a great show in terms of of what it represents, the world that we're allowed into. I mean, yeah, what it's done in terms of uh, British crime drama that's modern, urban, as in because it's in East London. I have no bad words to say about it, really. But what I would say is the other show that I I really liked and was in my top five but didn't make this is, is another cop crime show, which is Blue Lights, which I think uh, in a different way was also genre-breaking in its way of dealing with crime and punishment in you know, the the flaring troubles that we are sadly seeing, the flaring up of troubles again in Belfast and, and seeing once again into that very modern, very specific world that we don't see very often in TV drama. And hopefully we'll have season two of Blue Lights later this year, which I'm really excited for. It won't be later this year, as as we're very close to the end of, of this year, but I I think it may be early early next year, Damo. I'm quite hopeful <laughs> That will come in fairly early. I definitely recommend watching it on the iPlayer, BBC iPlayer, if you haven't already in advance of season two. Yeah, just to chime in on how much I loved Blue Lights. 
Oh man, so good. Really, really brilliant, detailed storytelling, great characters, loved it. And look, Damo, you know, we all know what an impossible task it was for us to pick our own top fives. And Top Boy, I have such a special place in my heart for Top Boy. And if there was a top five performances of the year, then Jasmine Jobson would have 100% been in my top five. So yeah, Top Boy, all the love, all the love. Let's talk about Beef, because I think Beef was on a couple of people's lists. Yeah, Beef was in my top five and didn't quite make it. And I'm sure maybe was in others as well uh, and was a high, high contender. But I just love this show. I have not stopped thinking about it all year. It's so different to anything else I watched in 2023. And I think that alone gives it a, a special place on my list. But yeah, if you haven't seen this show absolutely watch it i think there is talk of a second series with different characters now's a good time to catch up while we wait on news of that i think the other thing as well as as many issues as the streamers have now found with the reality of their business model this year a show like beef would not exist in the old style of tv programming it would be seen as too niche uh which you can read as a euphemism for too east asian but it is phenomenal. It's great. It's it's another one of these kind of stories, this this world that we very rarely see in storytelling that has only come about from the Netflixes and the Primes that, that give us that space for these big international shows. I know, obviously, Beef is only in America, but representation, seeing people that look like you, even if they're not from the same country as you, is huge. Yeah, I was trying to think about which were the boldest shows of the year. And I think Beef is definitely up there in that in that category of something that's not been done before in that in that way. Just the method of storytelling, I think, was incredible. And yeah, really worth a watch. Check it out on Netflix if you haven't already. Now, I know in recent months, I've gone on a lot about Reservation Dogs. But I feel like I'm finally able to properly articulate why I think that show is so good. And it's because it's not just about these four young friends dealing with the grief over a lost friend. There's two other generations within that show as well. You kind of have the largely the aunties, but a little bit the uncles as well, and then the elders. And they all offer their own perspectives and have their own grief to deal with as well. There's a flashback episode in the final season that's got some really beautiful parallels to what's going on for the younger cast. And the whole thing's really about the loss of Native American culture, landscape, community or rather how to have the resilience to hold on to those things despite all the pressures against you. But yeah, it's such a beautiful show. And now that it's all done, I think those three seasons are, are well worth a watch. In the TV DNA tribe then, who would you say are the elders, the aunts, the uncles and the kids then, Adam? <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'm probably in the elder camp, right? I really wouldn't want to say otherwise, other than that you're definitely one of the kids, Damo. <laughs> hey, look, I'll take auntie any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, I have to say how much I have loved Reservation Dogs. And this, I think, would have made my top five, but I haven't finished it. And I, I decided to make, because I was really struggling to pick a top five, obviously. I decided that anything I hadn't completed, I wasn't going to fit on. So Barry also fell into that camp of... Very special mention, but didn't finish season four before Now TV took it off their streaming service. So yeah, this this got a special mention for me, even though it didn't quite make the list. But what a gem this show is. I'm so glad to have discovered it. So thank you, Adam. I feel like you've repaid the Parks and Rec debt. 
from earlier this year. Yeah. I I also finished season one and I'm looking forward to season two. So thank you, Adam, for repaying the Married at First Sight UK debt from this year. (laughs) (laughs) You're very, very welcome. Um, I'm I'm sure there were other debts. Let's get on then to our top five. Now, in fifth place, we have a tie. So joint fifth place in our list is Happy Valley and Deadlock. Let's start with Deadlock. Uh, And Grace, I'm going to come to you. This was, I think, your number one show. It was my number one show. I bloody loved this show. I think this is the show that I've tried to put most people on this year and the one that I think I had the most fun watching. It's just brilliant. It was surprising. I loved what it did with the crime genre. I loved how it played with that, how funny it was. I loved that it was so female-led. I loved the world that it was in, the lesbian community of Tasmania. I mean, come on. It was just, I, I just really loved it. And and the, the finale, like arguably, it maybe was a little bit long for a season, but it really stuck the landing. And it kept you guessing, even though it's like a spoof of a crime drama, you also... I was really invested in it as a crime drama and it totally kept me guessing the whole way through. So yeah, I loved Deadlock. Huge fan. I think that was the genius of it, wasn't it? That it started out as a parody of Broadchurch, but it became its own highly credible mystery, thriller, comedy in in and of itself. That community that was created for the show was just fantastic. And just, yeah, really brilliant performances all around. Great ensemble cast. Definitely. Available still on Prime Video. So if you haven't caught Deadlock, and it's probably the least known of the shows on our list, then it's a big uh, big recommendation from us. Yeah, and I definitely would never have found it if it wasn't for one of our watch list reviews, where we just pick pick a pilot and watch it. So it just goes to show as well about trying to find new shows, sort of hunting out things that you might like, or just listening to our watch list episodes and finding things through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, let's talk about Happy Valley then. I'll kick off with this one. It was such a huge TV event in that we'd had to wait so long for this third and final season of Happy Valley. And a real joy to discuss on the podcast early in the year. I think it was the first featured show we had in 2023. I think there were perhaps a couple of plot lines that felt a little bit rushed towards the end. But that that central conflict between, well, conflicts, I guess, between Catherine Kaywood, young gobshite grandson Ryan, sister Claire and, and villain Tommy Lee Royce. You know, there were so many incredibly tense moments in that final season. It was event TV at its best. And uh, yeah, superb. I mean, Sarah Lancashire... There is no more to say other than thank you for giving us Catherine Kaywood over those three seasons. I'd say as much as you say it was event TV, in a very small way, it made TV DNA event podcast as well. And we probably should say that by far the biggest listens we've ever got is from the Happy Valley series. And I think we've managed to, a lot of people stayed on after that. So I think it's only right to reference that. And also the, the completion of the story of Gary Gagowski. <laughs> we can't forget him I for one am thrilled that right now Catherine Kaywood is somewhere in Nepal having a lovely retirement it sounds like everyone's valleys are very happy I, I didn't watch it uh, have you ever watched any of it Neil? 
I've seen a few clips from season one, but I haven't really, it didn't really catch me. But I know that many people that I know, including you guys, um, absolutely loved it. So maybe it will be a kind of retro watch at some point. So I had actually never seen Happy Valley before this year. Um, I knew the new series was coming out. So I think towards the end of 2022, beginning of 2023, I binge watched all of it. And I think 2023 for me generally has been a year where I've discovered loads of good TV I missed the first time round, and I could reel off a list of this, Reservation Dogs being on there, all of Mike Flanagan's back catalogue, Godless, which I'm watching at the moment. The Happy Valley was such a great find, and I'm so glad that I caught up in time to be able to discuss it with everyone else in the UK, <laughs> seemingly. Bad. Well, let's move on to show number four then. And our fourth place show of the year is The Long Shadow. This was on ITVX and... Uh, Izzy, I'm going to come to you for this one. Oh, so this this absolutely made my top five list. I thought this was such an amazing drama. I thought the historical attention to detail was incredible. The writing was incredible. Just an unbelievable cast. But what I loved so much about it is the way it kind of transformed the true crime genre and the way we experience that on TV. Um, I didn't feel like it was at any point gratuitous. I thought it was respectful. It, you know, told a story really, really beautifully. And it, most importantly of all, I think, made the story about the people who died at the hands of the Ripper and not about the Ripper. So I just think this told a story so beautifully, but also so responsibly. And for me, that was just, has really changed the way I think about true crime-based drama. I agree. And I think just in general, how truthful the whole thing felt, because there was no skimping on the mistakes that police made. They were properly examined. It was, like you said, that didn't feel gratuitous either. No one felt evil. You know, the police that were like horrifically incompetent felt like real people just making bad decisions with not all the information in front of them, which I think is is also a really... Uh, skilled part of the storytelling. We also had an interview with Chris Hatherall, who was one of the uh, leads in that. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode, I highly recommend you listen to it. Uh, Chris talks about him getting cast in it, how it was like on set, and and just the general vibe of the working as part of this absolutely stellar cast of British actors. Yeah, I can highly recommend listening to that. It's a thoroughly entertaining interview with Chris very grateful to him for coming on there's a scene in that show that has stuck with me and and it will be is in a way one of the most memorable scenes for me in 2023 and, and there were multiple moments in that show I think that were remarkable but it's for me it's towards the end and, and this is a minor spoiler but there's the, it's the wall of the photo fits that they had that over the years various people had given descriptions of the guy and, and there was just this huge wall of of all of the photo fits up there and the the drawings that they'd made of of the, the guy was just that image I think has stuck with me for quite a long time there's another really powerful scene which is what I thought you were going to talk about with one of the call, call handlers I think in the second episode which equally I would not be surprised to see if I mean the show in itself will probably do very well at the award ceremony and as we said previously, we'll change the way in which these kind of procedural or historical, should I say, crime dramas will be told going forward, hopefully. But I, I can imagine, I can't remember the actress who's in, is it 
uh, Damon from the future can put the actress's name in here. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a guest award to be had for that because it was mesmeric TV. I'm like I'm welling up thinking about that scene. It's just one of the one of the best bits of TV I've ever seen. Just that that little standalone clip of the cool handler is incredible. And also, I would say, adding to just memorable bits of that, the Reclaim the Night March bit in episode five. God, getting chills just thinking about it. Just some incredible, incredible scenes and performances amongst an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, you're welling up, Izzy. I mean, I definitely had a, a very cathartic cry when I watched The Long Shadow, not just to pick up the story that it told, but the way that it told it. And I think we might be covering needle drop moments later on, but there's definitely one I suddenly remembered from The Long Shadow, which is Rage Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfield. Yeah. Ooh, that's amazing. Actually, I think what you were saying, it's so memorable as a TV show, so many moments that I had a very physical reaction to that I just won't forget. It's Ruth Maidley who plays the core handler, who's fantastic. Amazing. Right. Well, let's move on then to our third placed show of the year. And this is The Last of Us, available on Sky and Now TV. And I'm going to come to our in-the-game expert, Mr. Damien Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was coming as well. Well, I mean, it was huge. I think this is another one of... So whilst I think The Long Shadow was very much a part of the British zeitgeist, it's safe to say The Last of Us was probably one of the biggest shows uh, across the world, certainly within the Anglosphere this year, uh, particularly episode three of The Last of Us, which shows Frank and I can't remember the other character's name because he doesn't actually appear in the game. Could be Bill. Could be making this up. It is Bill. Sorry. I think Bill is in the game and Frank doesn't appear. Anyway, I think that episode in particular was phenomenal. I think it's possibly the biggest show of the year, biggest new show of the year at least. And I'm, I'm glad to see that the narrative has infected the rest of the TV DNA cast as well. Yeah, and I I didn't actually manage to watch it quickly enough to come on and chat about it. So I had the great pleasure of being able to listen to you guys talking about it whilst I was watching it, which was so brilliant. Very much enjoyed it. So if you haven't seen The Last of Us and want to listen to some wonderful insight and brilliant mushroom punning, then you can head there Or if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. That's the first thing to do. And then listen to us. Yeah, I I completely agree. Listen to us. You know, that's the best advice for anyone. But Bella Ramsey is probably... I was was already a huge fan of Pedro Pascal. And I was already a bit of a fan of Bella Ramsey from what she did on Game of Thrones. But she appeared on Graham Norton over some point in at the end of this year and she's she's so deserving of the fame that she now has from those shows i mean she's an absolutely amazing young performer i think she's like 20 or 19 i um from memory she's still extremely young but wouldn't surprise me if in a couple of decades' time she's a dame. She's absolutely awesome in this and everything else she does. When you say dame, does that mean you think she's going to do panto? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, she isn't. Hey. <laughs> oh, Bella Ramsey was also incredible in the second season of Time, the best thing in that that show. 
both Bella and Pedro Pascal was superb in this, as was our, our guest co-host, Mr. Bradley Creese, who it was a pleasure to have him join us for some shared in the game knowledge as well. But yeah, we should say a big thank you to Bradley for joining us for those episodes. Yeah, and looking forward to season two, which we will hopefully be getting in 2025. That's a long way away. Yeah, we're we even going to be alive or at least be able to buy food by then. Oh, God, I hope so. To be fair, guys, there's not mushroom on the 2024 schedule. Oh, God, here she bloody is. <laughs> that also, I don't know. I mean, we've mentioned it briefly, but one should really go in depth as to how fantastic Izzy's punning was. I would also say oh. if. If 2025 seems too far away to know what happens, I have a suggestion. You could play The Last of Us Part 2, or you could watch a Let's Play on YouTube. Um, yeah, for, for Shroom the Bell Tolls, I think, was my favourite of all, all of the puns, um, and elicited quite a reaction from Mr Cooper at the time, um, which you will hear yourselves if you listen to that, or our TV DNA uh, 2023 trailer compilation, which has just been released last week. Let's move on, though, to our second-placed show of the year, and that is The Bear. The Bear on Disney+. And this was top of my list, and I'll explain why. I think most of the other shows on our list, brilliant as they are, each had something minor that kind of bothered me a little bit. I had a little niggle about each of the shows. But for me, The Bear is just flawless. It's flawless TV. The dialogue, the characters, the performances, the camera work, those stunning guest cameos. Uh, I think, as we mentioned on the podcast, each episode is like a different menu item. The structure of it fits the show itself. But that explosive Christmas episode, that sumptuous treat that was Forks, Marcus and Will Poulter in Copenhagen, so many brilliant, brilliant moments in an incredible show. If you haven't seen The Bear, watch The Bear. It was an absolutely incredible show. And... For someone who's worked in hospitality and has also worked as a private chef, there, there, there was so much there and the stress and what that led to. Obviously, all of us, you know, we just come away from Christmas and therefore family. I mean, one of the best episodes of The Bear was that family coming together with Jamie Lee Curtis and Bob Odenkirk. I mean, that, that was just an amazing episode. And I think we can all relate with um, those family dilemmas, for want of a better word. Yeah, it was absolutely stunning. Yeah, and I have a few friends who have tried to start the bear and haven't managed to push through the kind of first few episodes of it because, you know, that first series, I mean, arguably it all the way is, but specifically that first series, it's quite shouty. It's not a relaxing watch necessarily, and they've kind of given up. But, you know, I think we're all sat here saying, you know, persevere, you will be rewarded. And I don't think I thought that season one could get better, but season two is quite significantly better than season one, which is just a remarkable achievement, I think. So, yeah, stick with it, people. Yeah, I this was top of my list as well. This is my number one. And I think part of this for me is I loved season one so, so, so much. It was my top show of last year hands down, like nothing else came close. And I was really anti the idea of there being a season two because it just felt like such a great, complete story. I just didn't think there's any way that it could possibly be as good. And it's it not only is as good, it's better. 
I think everyone would say it's it's a level up, even on season one. It's just a flawless bit of TV. So yeah, this for me was the easiest show to put at number one, despite agonising over the rest of my list. What a gift. How many other people put it as number one? I think it was just me and Izzy heard it as number one. Once again, is this a safe space? Can I say something without judgment or, or at least consternation? For the millionth time, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, the Bear is not in my top five. It's not in my top ten because I didn't watch series two, season two of The Bear. And I had a little bit of time uh, in the build-up to our top five. And I thought, should I watch The Bear? And I thought, well, if I like it, I'm going to have to put it in my top five and that will ruin either Succession or The Last of Us being number one. So I held <laughs> fire and I aim to watch it as soon as the new year starts. <laughs> like you, Demo, The Bear wasn't in my top five. It possibly would have been um, number six. But definitely watch it. You will lose a gem in your life by not watching it because it is amazing and season two they go more nuanced and they really explore characters it's very different season one so yeah i would hugely recommend it um why didn't i put it in my top five i guess because i didn't find it as groundbreaking as other shows so and maybe that is partly because i have literally been involved in you know you know that kind of world but i i absolutely loved it and yeah would hugely recommend was it that neil or did the ghost of roman roy come and visit you on christmas eve <laughs> what, what, whatever the media say i'm not going to comment on those rumors <laughs> well a couple of spoilers already for what was our top ranked show of the year uh, will come as no surprise that the final season of Succession has been uh, has been our top show of the year. And Neil, tell us why Succession deserves <laughs> top spot. Kevin Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake! <laughs> Look, I'm hashtag Team Shiv till the end. Big time. I, 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 I can't come up with two other words. No, I can, in fairness. It's not just Kieran Culkin. It's Matthew McCarry. It's, it's, it's all of the cast. Um, I'm not going to list them off now. And it will be no surprise that when we come up with dialogue, our best bits of dialogue um, later on, that it will be succession dialogue from me. It's, it's just an amazing show, amazing story, fantastic writing, the most quotable script writing that I, I think I've come across for ages and I'm sad it's over but I also think that they finished it in a really satisfying way I yeah I, I cannot think of a better show that finished this year there are other shows like Better Call Soul um, that didn't finish this year therefore don't meet the criteria oh my god Brian Cox all of them amazing. I think that Connor's wedding episode, the third episode, mm, yeah, it was one of those moments that if you were able to watch it live or without having seen any social media posts or anything like that, it was an incredible 
moment to experience. Really, really brilliant. I I was Christmas shopping in a bookshop. Uh, they're not, well, they don't sponsor us, so I'm not going to mention their names, but they begin with a W and end in a Stones. And uh, I saw the the full script of Succession available to buy in book form and was sorely tempted to give myself a Christmas present. But I, I, I resisted that temptation. The, the dialogue is incredible in this show. And although I have a slight niggle with the way it ended, I think it was a really, really strong final season. That will make me sore as well, Adam. So um, get the Sudafed out. But um, I, yeah, absolutely. It's not just the performers. However amazing Kieran Culkin is in that in that series. It's the script writing. It's the directing. It's the camera work. It's the narrative. Like literally, they they just score top points on every level of producing a, a TV series. I think the other thing I know we're talking about, you know, needle drops and, and, and all that, but like you were saying, that episode of Connor and Willa's wedding, what happens? And in most other shows, that would be it. But in this final season, there's however many more episodes, four or five other episodes, and they are, it gets even better and better. And I think that's testament to not only the writing, as you said, Neil, but the performances and and everything working so well in the making of that show. I was also someone who was slow to succession. I was one of those people like, oh, God, everyone keeps telling me to watch this. I, I don't want to watch it by being a petulant child that I am. And then I think it was you guys covering season three that I thought, okay, fine. It was the first show I think I hadn't been involved in. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll give it a go and see if I can catch up. And uh, I inhaled the second half of season one and all of season two in about three or four days. And I was totally in. And also, obviously, hashtag Team Shiv. Yeah, I'm I'm like Damien. I came to it. I think I did watch some of series one when it was on um, and maybe didn't want to pay for now TV. <laughs> so didn't carry on and started watching it again during season three. And I'm I'm so glad I did. Um, it's just been such a game changer. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree that that episode, I think it's episode three's Connor and Willa's Wedding. It's really early on. It's just such a massive, massive risk. It's such a huge gamble to do a move like that, that early in a final season and, you know, have three seasons building up to it and then do it really early in season four and not make it the finale. And the fact that it paid off is such a game changer, I think. It's such an audacious swing and they just they just smashed it props to the whole team i thought this was an incredible bit of tv yeah i think i mean that uh reminded me of, of that election episode as well which i thought was was just superb thoroughly deserving of top spot in our list of shows of the year should we quickly go around the horn and see if there are any other honorary mentions that anyone wants to give i will kick off uh just with a quick couple uh slow horses which i finished this week the third season this is absolutely fucking incredible i love it so much there are three seasons now each of only six episodes really really bingeable stuff gary oldman is having the time of his life but you just really really love these kind of hopeless spies and how they work their way through these situations they're in it's always really compelling i think slow horses is now given the number of shows that have finished this year now one of the best ongoing series we have yeah, well, you know what, Adam, you, you do. You, you've mentioned slow horses a couple of times. Sure, 
But now you are not the only person who mentions it to me. There is more and more people in my life who are saying that we need to watch Slow Horses. So maybe that'll be a resolution for me in 2024. I'm happy to chuck in a couple of other ones. Uh, Poker Face, uh, starring Natasha Leone, was phenomenal. It's a great idea for a show. Uh, She's able to... She's able to read when people are lying and it's so easy for a show like that to become bullshit. And it isn't. It's really good. It's a phenomenal cast. She kind of travels the back rows of the States trying to stay low, keep a low profile. And so it just means that we keep on getting new characters each episode and new parts of Americana. And at no point do you go, this is crap. Yeah, I agree. This is another one where I haven't quite finished it, so I didn't put it in my top five, but it it really would have been a strong contender otherwise. It's such a good bit of TV. It's a great concept. It just feels like a really fun take on the kind of procedural mystery of the week dramas. And yeah, the cast and the cameos. Oh my God, I think maybe even Rival the Bear for just stellar cast of the year. So yeah, this is a big recommendation for me as well. I loved it. Do you have any more, Demo? Oh, yeah. One more. Thank you ever so much. We've seen it go now, sadly, officially. And the the Christmas episode was the kind of final point on the living characters in it. And it has to be Ghosts on iPlayer, which I think... UK Ghosts, which I think is a brilliant sitcom with a phenomenal series of characters, the ghosts themselves are so good each one of them is so different and everyone is constantly allowed to shine the dialogue is fast it's funny everyone gets jokes i think the only real weak point is the kind of living couple in the show i I know adam you're also a fan of ghosts yeah i am indeed and it was really lovely of you to let damo do his second one when nobody remembered i said to um at the time As this will be my final opportunity to really rave about The Servant, which finished this year uh, on Apple TV+. Plus, This is it's a phenomenal show. Four seasons, I think they're 10 episodes each. They're 30-minute episodes, but it's full of twists and turns. Uh, I think the concept originally was M. Night Shyamalan, Nell Tiger-Free, Lauren Ambrose, Toby Kebbell, Rupert Grint are at the core cast, and they're all really, really brilliant. And I think the final season was just superb this year. So I know it won't be for everyone, but as it's my last chance to really rave about The Servant, I'm throwing it in there. I haven't watched The Servant, but I will just say that I became a massive Lauren Ambrose fan this year because of Yellow Jackets, which again didn't didn't make my top five. I think the first series was slightly better for me, but it was still a really enjoyable watch and loved chatting about it on the podcast with Adam. That was a really fun little series. But Lauren Ambrose is in series two of Yellow Jackets and is fantastic, so thrilled to have been introduced to her work one of my top five for this year was sex education and we've not really spoken about that as um you know honorable mentions i thought it was an amazing finish to um everything that was there so i guess my question is why wasn't in any of your top fives i don't know it's a good question I think I don't know. I think I just enjoyed other shows more. Fundamentally, is is what happened. I mean, I I I liked it. I didn't have anything against it. I just it didn't spring to mind immediately when I thought top five. 
it came pretty close for me I think it was definitely one where I strongly considered it when I was putting the list together but yeah again like Grace there were just other shows that slightly pipped it to the post that said I do have a quote from Sex Education as my learner dialogue from the year any other honourable mentions Grace? yeah I've got three <laughs> I'll try to speed through them first of all is Best Interests which was a drama with Sharon Horgan and Michael Sheen this year which was fantastic pretty tough to watch but really brilliantly done. And also we got to have a lovely chat with Mrs. Hemming, Adam's mum, as a result of that show. So I, I, yeah, I just thought it was very, one of the most sensitively done TV shows of the year. Adam, I know you watched that too. Yeah, my, uh, my mum, Laureen Hemming, uh, who's worked in palliative care, uh, joined us for a, a podcast special on that one, but it was incredibly moving. I, I score each show that I watch for my for my all time my my list of the year, and this was one of the ones that got a, a ten out of ten for me. It was brilliant. And then Woman in the Wall. We were talking about what the sort of shows that surprise us, or shows that have like done something different this year that we've not seen before. I didn't ever think I'd watch a, a quirky Irish gothic horror before I watched Woman in the Wall, but it was great. And again, loved chatting to Adam about that. Specific specific show and then the final one is Silo which I know Damo and Adam are big fans of as well I loved this show I don't think I've seen a show do cliffhangers as well as a show like Silo really loved it yeah just another one that's available on Apple TV plus brilliant (laughs) I know you get paid for those so I'm glad we managed to, to get that one in just two quick ones they were pretty big shows this year Black Mirror, although it was weak by other seasons, I'd still say it's still quite good TV. And talking of weak seasons, obviously the final season of Ted Lasso was also this year, which kind of lost its way. But we can always remember the other seasons. Exactly. Ted Lasso, I'm a little bit sad about because it wasn't it wasn't the third season I wanted, but Jamie Tart teaching Roy Kent how to ride a bike, possibly in my top 10 TV moments of the year. So you have that. And Black Mirror, I totally agree with you, Damo. Maybe not the strongest series season of the show, but um, beyond, is it Beyond the Sea? The one with Josh Hartner and Aaron Paul has just like stayed in my brain all year. I just thought that was an incredible hour of TV. I've got a couple to add to the list. So I felt my top five was quite drama heavy because there's just been so many good series this year. And as a result of that, I think maybe some of the really good comedies didn't quite make the list. So I want to give a special shout out to Colin from Accounts, which I thought was just a really great half hour episodes of TV. Really enjoyable, really heartwarming, great dialogue. I'm a huge fan now of Patrick Gravel and Harriet Dyer. Um, and I'm very excited about season two of that, which is being filmed at the moment. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Primo, which I loved on Freebie earlier this year, which is just a really great sitcom. This really reminds me of Shit's Creek, Parks and Rec, that kind of very easy to watch, but characters you really fall in love with kind of sitcoms. So yeah, if you're looking for a, a really fun sitcom to watch, I'd highly recommend this. I also think as well what we said about, you know, getting to see the East Asian American experience in Beef. This does kind of the same thing for the Hispanic American experience and that kind of family. And I think the representation of that is really important. And, and just on that tip, a, a quite late one that, that may well have passed a lot of people by, and I know that some of us are watching it, is 1670 on Netflix, uh, which is a Polish comedy. Um, so yes, you do watch it with subtitles, 
but it's well worth it. It's incredibly funny. I think in the same sort of vein as Colin from Accounts and Primo in that sort of quite unique and niche thing, but really, really brilliant. If you're not yet watching 1670, I can highly recommend. And I have got one more, if that's okay. Not a comedy, far from it. But The Fall of the House of Usher nearly made my top five. It had its foibles. There were bits that didn't quite pay off, but overall, thoroughly enjoyable watch. And the main reason I want to give props to this is that it got me to watch The Haunting of Hill House, which is not a 2023 show, but was one of the best things I watched this year. So thank you, Mike Flanagan. Would you say having watched The Fall of House of Usher when it comes to Flanagan, you got it bad? I would say I got it bad. (laughs) That's my facepalm moment of the year on the podcast when I finally realised that Damien was feeding me Usher song titles throughout our watch list episode on Fall of the House of Usher. Just a couple of quick things. I put my 23 for 23 on both new shows and returning shows on our social media platforms so if you go to at TV DNA pod, you will find those there. I think they're both up on our Twitter feed. I will be posting the returning shows on Instagram at some point as well. And also just to say a big thank you to all of our special guests throughout the last year. We've already mentioned Bradley Crease, who joined us for The Last of Us. My mum, Laureen, who joined us for Best Interests. And Chris Hatherall, who joined us for an interview on The Long Shadow. But we also did a watch list for Mike Carter. And we had a wonderful interview with Andy Wilson, director of Unforgotten, after he emailed us to pull me and Grace up on some things that we'd said on our specials on, on that show. But it was an incredible opportunity to be able to get some brilliant insight from someone who's been in the industry for such a long time Uh, so huge thank you to Andy and to all of our guests are there any other bits that people have mentioned lines of dialogue of the year or needle drops that you want to you want to do those now yeah let's do them now I don't have a line of dialogue of the year I haven't had time to go through my many many notes pick one so Grace do you want to kick us off with this yeah there was only one line of dialogue of the year for me and it was we've had another bit of a tussle i won obviously i think i might have singed one of your crocheted blankets thank you Catherine kaywood happy valley final episode correct demo well i've got two one is pretty ridiculous and the other is i think one of my favorite bits of dialogue of the whole year the one that's a bit ridiculous is but i'm the eldest boy but my dramatic one is if we're not monsters then we're food and i could never be food top boy final episode right absolutely neil i also have two partly because i wanted to wait and see what others offered they're both succession obviously and they're both roman surprisingly um you know he's not had the greatest writing over succession but the first one is control the narrative you can hear that when you come oh control the narrative oh control it control the narrative and see they're not both roman the second one is a tom line and it is yeah i wrote in a few mini gregs from the pig pen little greglets <laughs> my favorite of this whole year well you can't make a tablet without breaking some gregs neil you can't um i i considered doing some succession quotes but number one i couldn't pick one because there are just so many good lines of dialogue from this season and number two i knew this was probably going to be pretty succession heavy so I've gone for meeting you cracked my heart open and now it's forever changed. And because of that, I will carry part of you with me wherever I go. I think what I'm trying to say is thanks for everything, dickhead, which is Maeve's letter to Otis at the end of Sex Education, which felt like a letter from Maeve to Otis, but also a message from Sex Education to its audience and vice versa. 
I just thought this was so gorgeous. Yeah, I cried all through the last episode, but sobbed during this. Yeah, that's a great shout. I, I, I have managed to find one that is that I'll throw at you from the bear. Who remembers what Vasudeva the ferryman said to Siddhartha on the banks of the Ganges River? Shortly followed by fucking Abra, fucking Kadabra, chefs. <laughs> yes, chef. Um, I had needle drops of the year. I picked three of these. The first one being, obviously, uh, well, no, I'll go in reverse order. Things can only get better in The Crown, the latest series of The Crown. This was the best moment of those final episodes. Uh, it's a dream sequence that the Queen has. I won't spoil it in any other way, but it's a choral version of that song done rather brilliantly. My second one is the Spice Girls number in the Doctor Who Christmas special, uh, which was just an utter, utter joy. But the needle drop of the year has to come again from the bear and that is Richie in the car listening to Taylor Swift this was my TV moment of the year if I had to pick one I'm not ashamed to admit this because it's a safe space whatever Grace says I watch this clip when I'm feeling a bit sad sometimes <laughs> Brand anything else any other thoughts on the year Demo one of the other needle drops for me is something I've literally just watched a couple of days ago and that is the latest episode of Fargo that has been released there is a section that deals with the horrendousness of predatory behavior and domestic violence done through puppetry in the latest episode that is i think so skillfully done that i, I think it, it deserves a mention yeah absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that brand should we leave 2023 say goodbye finally to 2023 there we've got another 24 hours surely well we've got some shows coming up in the next week in the new year and there's quite a lot of stuff coming out in this first week of 2024 if this is the way that 2024 is gonna go we're in for some good telly I will kick us off on New Year's Day. Uh, we will be getting two shows, the first of which is Mr. Bates versus the Post Office, which is coming to ITV. This is the extraordinary story of the greatest miscarriage of justice in British legal history, where hundreds of innocent sub-postmasters and postmistresses were wrongly accused of theft, fraud and false accounting due to a defective ITV system. This has an incredible cast, which includes Toby Jones, Julie Hesmanhall, Monica Dolan, Catherine Kelly, Amit Shah. That's just the tip of the iceberg i cannot wait for this good friend of mine produced and directed and starred in you know we all live in that world a production that focused on this they toured to various theaters around london that connected with post offices like the barnes post office this space but it's absolutely shocking and certainly what my friend produced and that play did it in a very humorous and theatrical way with puppets and large and life characters i cannot wait to see what with a bit of money and amazing performers like toby jones and monica dolan are going to produce because it really is a, a huge tragedy the trailer for this is amazing if anyone caught it over christmas they were playing it quite a lot and yeah I'm, I'm really excited for this incredible cast the story is unbelievable like i knew sort of the basics of it but really have learned about it since seeing trailer and doing a bit more googling and yeah I, I just think it's going to be incredible i'm really excited yeah i'm excited about this anytime toby jones is involved in an injustice 
it's just going to be great telly, isn't it? Also, I think, and I'm pretty sure, Adam, in the introduction to that, you said that they all went to prison due to a defective ITV system. Now, I know we've all had our qualms with ITVX, but that does feel a little bit harsh. Did I really say ITV system? I'm almost certain you said ITV system rather than IT system. So just so we don't get sued, I think we should just make it clear now that they that what's not about Toby Jones versus ITVX. I, I know how much you love Apple TV, Adam, but yeah, nothing to do with ITVX. I'm a big fan of ITVX. So I'm, I'm definitely. <laughs> At least you didn't do Black Panda Wakanda Forever like I did. <laughs> uh, let's move on then. Who wants to talk about what else is coming out on New Year's Day? Well, The Tourist is coming out on New Year's Day on BBC, the second season of The Tourist. So this new season was actually filmed in Ireland, and we'll see amnesiac Elliot trying to rediscover his roots. They will soon, however, find themselves dragged into the dangerous whirlwind of his past life, with Elliot fighting his own demons and Helen finding herself left to pick up the pieces of a larger mystery. The new season will force them both to confront foes, old and new. So we see Jamie Dornan obviously return in the lead role and Daniel McDonald. But they're also joined, I think, by Connor McNeil from The Sixth Commandment, Olwen Ferrere from The Northman, Mark McKenna from One of Us is Lying and Francis McGee from Kin. I think I only watched the first half of season one of The Tourist. I don't think I finished it. There's a reason for that. No, <laughs> no, I really enjoy The Tourist. I think it's a really good show. And I, again, as I think I mentioned last time we, we met, if you watch Boat Story and enjoyed that, then I think you'll like The Tourist as well. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I also enjoyed the first season of The Tourist. I'm slightly sceptical about how they're going to drag it out into a second series, but I did enjoy it. So I will certainly watch the first couple of episodes. And just a balance and will be of no surprise to anyone, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you for that, Damo. Damo, I think you need to go back to school, maybe in the past. What year? Maybe 2009. So that would make me the class of 2009, which is also the name of the show, coming to Disney Plus on the 3rd of January. It's a suspense thriller, see what I did there, that follows a class of FBI agents set in three distinct points in time who grapple with the immense changes that the US criminal justice system is altered by artificial intelligence. Sorry, that's dodgy syntax on my part, not the writing. Spanning multiple decades and told across interweaving timelines, the series stars Teo, one of the most unorthodox agents to ever join the Bureau. Can you believe it? And Poet, one of the most successful undercover agents of all time. My goodness me, what an odd couple. I bet they're getting some scrapes. It stars the brilliant, joking aside, the brilliant Brian Tyree Henry, the also quite good Kate Mara. And I don't know Sepeda Mafia, I think. Blackbird. She was in Blackbird. Oh. <laughs> well, while you're all watching FBI agents and the tourist and all these crazy capers, I'll be sticking to reality TV and watching the, thir- the second series of The Traitors, which is coming out on the 3rd of January. I've already cleared my schedule. Very excited. So we've got 22 strangers. We've got one castle. We've got 120K. And we've got Claudia Winkleman. And if you miss season one, what are you doing? Go back and watch it all immediately. But this is basically a real life game of mafia. And it is the most addictive thing I think any of us watched this year. 
Yeah, amazing show. And I remember Adam, after I said, you ought to watch this. <laughs> he did an all-nighter, like proper all-nighter on it. It's absolutely addictive. And um, this Christmas... Um, one of the games that we played in the Shepek household was Traitors, the, uh, I want to say board game, probably card game, but um, it was mostly using cards, but also using our mobile device. Um, and my nieces just can't get enough of it. So I would hugely recommend, particularly for families out there, but um, groups of friends, like, get hold of the Traitors card game. Can't recommend it enough. It's great enjoyment for those occasions. Yeah, I mean, after pulling that all-nighter, Neil, I was pretty cross with you. And it made me ask the question, is it ever right to help end a life? And that question is also the topic of True Love, which is out on the 3rd of January on Channel 4. True Love wrestles with those that knotty ethical question. Uh, it's from the team behind The End of the Fucking World. And it got a great cast, stars Lindsay Duncan, Clark Peters from The Wire and Foundation, plus Peter Egan and Sue Johnston, some British acting legends there. So yeah, I'm quite excited about True Love and I will be watching that. I'm excited about your skill at segueing, Adam. What I want to just quickly make clear to our listeners is that Adam is joking. If you have any shows you want to suggest us to watch, Adam will not then try and kill you if he finds them so addictive that he misses out on sleep. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification, because I'm not the head of a Taiwanese triad, but there is one in the show The Brother's Son on Netflix, which comes out on the 4th of January. Um, the head of this Taiwanese triad is shot by an assassin. His eldest son, Charles Chairleg's son, has to head to Los Angeles to protect his mother and brother, who's been completely sheltered from the truth of his family until now. This stars the brilliant Michelle Yeoh, Justin Chien and Sam Lee. And I'm quite excited by the trailer for this one. Uh, this is going to be my action fix for the start of the new year. The Brother's Son. It's on Netflix on the 4th of January. I'm so glad you segued into that show seamlessly. I'm also really excited about that. What I'm excited about will be coming on the 4th of Jan. God, it just does not stop. On Paramount Plus is The Accused, which is based on the BBC BAFTA award-winning crime anthology in which each episode opens in a courtroom on The Accused without knowing their crime or how they ended up on the trial. The drama is told from the defendant's point of view. Viewers discover how an ordinary person got caught up in an extraordinary situation, ultimately revealing how one wrong turn leads to another until it's too late to turn back. So we've got in this series, Rachel Bilson, Michael Checklist, Wendell Pierce of The Wire fame or so, Megan Boone, Lauren Ridloff of The Walking Dead fame. We've got Aaron Ashmore, Margot Martindale and a lot more. What I would say is, particularly for our UK listeners, I'm not sure if it's still available on iPlayer, but previous seasons of The Accused have been so strong there's a particular episode i've talked about it on the pod before in which sean bean plays a drag queen called tracy tramarco who gets into a relationship with stephen graham and it is an absolute career defining performance from sean bean and i think i think it changed his career because he was no longer the gruff soldier man that's the one set in a prison right <laughs> two things to flag 
Firstly, this mention of accused has made me remember my great TV mystery of 2024. Will any of us get a Paramount Plus subscription? And the second thing is, Tamo, you've misnamed them both at the end of 2023. How could you? Remember, it's King of the North, Sean Bean, and National Treasure, Stephen Graham. I'm fed up of saying it. You were right to check me on that. I... I can only apologise. I will be looking inwards to see what my shortcomings are and working on myself to be a better, more respectful demo for 2024. Thank you. You're welcome. Just a couple of quick other ones. Waterloo Road Season 13 is out on the BBC on the 2nd of January. Historical drama Salem, all three seasons, is out on the 3rd of January on Disney+. And Sarah Lancashire is back as Julia for Season 2 on Sky Atlantic, also on the 4th of January. Finally, Call the Midwife Season 13 comes out on the BBC on the 7th of January. Has anyone seen Julia Season 1? I think it's got David Hyde Pearson as well. I watched the first episode of Julia and I didn't enjoy it, I'm afraid. It's not that it's bad... I just don't think it was to my taste. So I've sent you all a list of the other shows that we know are coming out in 2024. I'm going to ask you to maybe pick one each that you're quite excited about. It's quite a long list. I'm sure we'll be talking about these in upcoming podcast episodes. Has anyone got anything they're very excited about for 2024? Damien? Yeah, um, I am. There's so many, to be honest. We've talked about Blue Lights already. So season two, I'm excited about that. It's tough. It's between two strong female-led shows for me. It's either the new series of True Detective, which drops on the 14th or 15th of January, which is True Detective Night County is what it's called. That's on the 15th of Jan. I mean, it looks brilliant. Uh, Correct, is just popping in there for Night, Night Country is the subtitle. Yeah, that's right. What was your other one? My other one was The Regime, starring Kate Winslet, which tells the story of one year within the walls of the palace of a modern European regime as it begins to unravel. I saw the trailer for this earlier in the week, immediately shared it to the WhatsApp group. Kate, back to her brilliant best. Not that she ever wasn't. I am very excited about the final season of Stranger Things, which I think we're expecting at the end of the year. The latest season of Stranger Things has got to be like one of my most enjoyable TV watches of recent times. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they end it. And I know this is a TV podcast, but Izzy and I were lucky enough to go to Stranger Things, the first shadow play on in the West End in London. It's absolutely fantastic. So if you need a little Stranger Things hit before the final season comes, we would really, really recommend grabbing tickets for the theatre show. It's amazing. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things, don't care about it, but you happen to be in a relationship or very close to someone who loves it, how accessible is the show for those who have no interest in the show? The theatre show. I would say it's pretty accessible because it's a prequel. So I think you will probably get slightly more out of the show and get a lot more of the in-jokes and specific characters if you have seen the show. I think it segues into it really well. But it does take place before any of even season one of Stranger Things. So I think you can go and not not know the kind of lore of the show and have a great time. It's also visually so stunning. The acting is incredible. And just what they achieve on stage is like it's 
kind of mind-blowing. There's things I genuinely don't know how they did certain aspects of it. So I say just as a spectacle, you'll probably really enjoy it. Yeah, and one word, budget. It's awesome. Oh, the budget. Oh, that budget. Lovely. (laughs) And then the other show that I think we're expecting in 2024, but I don't know if we've had a release date, is Severance. Am I right? Yeah. God, I mean, that was the biggest cliffhanger ever at the end of season one of Severance. So I hope we get that in 2024. I am so, so excited about this if we do get it this year. This, again, joins my very long list of things I watched this year that I slightly missed first time round. I didn't quite get around to it in 2022. But yeah, this this was just one of my favourite things I've watched this year. I think I did the last three episodes in one sitting because I just could not stop watching it. So I am so ready for another series. Yeah. I'm obviously really excited about the extra Star Wars series that are being introduced. Don't know a huge amount about them because they're not connected directly to anything that has already put, been put out. But I love that universe as I know Adam does. Soku and Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I'm quite excited about both of those. Well, the Skeleton Crew is going to star Jude Law alongside, alongside some some young performers, and the Acolyte is going to be set before the Phantom Menace. So it's going perhaps to the earliest point that we've ever seen in the Star Wars universe so far. So yeah, very excited and looking forward to chatting to you about those, Neil, in the new year. Yeah, I'm sure it'll just be you and me, but I I, I love a little bit of you know intimate time with you, Adam. And what I will say is is that. A friend of mine also commented how much he enjoyed the Star Wars podcast. Ben Hale very kindly told me how much he enjoys the two of you talking about all that, whether it be a shocker, whatever the other shows are, and Andor. Andor what? Thank you. I am really excited about two on this list. Unsurprisingly, the first one is The Bear, um, having been, you know, very stressed about uh, whether season two would be any good and being proved wrong. I'm now very excited for season three. Don't let me down, guys. And I'm also really excited for season four of The Boys. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. I am ready for that exploding head count to go way up again. I really wanted to talk about something else that I'm looking forward to before the Star Wars, but you just mentioned The Boys. And oh my God, I cannot wait for that series. I'm so excited about that. Almost as excited as Adam is excited by the boys. Always. One final one. Adam, I know you're desperate for us to move the fuck on, but I'm just going to say no confirmed date yet, but almost certainly this year. Season two of The Responder with Martin Freeman. It's. I think it's finished filming in Liverpool, so we should be seeing it next year, and I'm very excited about that. And finally... I'm really looking forward to the Oscar nominations. As you know, if you're regular listeners, for many years I have been watching all the various Oscar nominees leading up to the actual ceremony. Uh, I think it's an amazing way to look at films and to see films that possibly you wouldn't watch otherwise. They're all going to be good in their various ways, with the exception of La La Land. But, you know, you you get a real feeling as to what's happening out there. And like I say, you see films that you wouldn't have watched otherwise. And I managed to persuade Adam and Damo a couple of years ago to kind of go on the challenge with me to watch all the nominations or at least the main, you know, kind of nominations in the main categories. 
Um, and I really hope that we'll do the same soon. So, yes, before Doctor Who, before all the other things that I'm excited about, the Star Wars shows, etc., that is immediately what I'm excited about. But very quickly for me, it looks like next year is going to be a year of number twos in that there are a lot of second seasons. So Arcane, season two, Bad Sisters, season two, Extraordinary, season two, lots of second seasons that I'm really excited about. But I pulled out one show that is a new show. It's called Three Body Problem. It's based on a novel, uh, quite an acclaimed novel, and it's made by Benioff and Weiss, those chaps behind Game of Thrones, and stars some of those alumni. So Samuel Tarly, Davos Seaworth, and The High Sparrow are all going to be appearing in this science fiction show on Netflix uh, alongside Benedict Wong and loads of other really brilliant people. There is a trailer. You go onto uh, YouTube and search for uh, Three Body Problem trailer. It's a really stunning trailer on there. But I think we're expecting that in March of this year. So yeah, that's uh, one that you may not have heard of, but I think it's going to be quite epic. Does that mean House of the Dragon 2, season two as well, did you say? Uh, yeah, I think that's right, isn't it? Is that this year or next year? This is 2024? this year, isn't it? Last year, Glance Fest. So it must be this year. Well, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be getting The Last of Us or The White Lotus or Euphoria in 2024. I think those are all 2025 slated to appear. Has anyone got anything they've been watching over the Christmas period that they wanted to bring up? I don't necessarily want to bring it up, but with Grace on the call and um, I think Easy as well, Strictly Christmas special. Amazing. Oh, it was cracking. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I mean, some questionable dances and also very liberal score giving for the Christmas special. Yes. What was Craig doing? It's like someone had put something in his water. All of a sudden, he was being very generous. Uh, He'd had a couple of gins, I reckon, a couple of gins before he came on. Yeah, but I enjoyed that. We've mentioned it already, but 1670 I've been really enjoying, obviously. And I think if you like Wes Anderson, and I think if you like anything like The Office... You should give 1670 a go. We should say it's set in 17th century Poland. <laughs> and it's about this nobleman, in adverted commas, with his family in this small village of Adam Chichia. It's definitely been giving me some of the biggest laughs, I think, uh, from recent telly. And also quite helping with me learning my Polish. <laughs> How is your Polish coming on, Grace? Oh, do- dobre, dobre. <laughs> that means good, guys. <laughs> Anyone else? I will quickly fly through this because we are going long. I watched a lot 249, the Mark Gattis horror story with Kit Harrington and Freddie Fox. I mean, if you like Kit Harrington, if you like Mark Gattis, you'll love this. I just was constantly being brought out at the moment, not particularly enjoying it. I watched the first 20 minutes of Rebel Moon on Netflix, which is a big kind of intergalactic sci-fi fascist nightmare of a thing that I could not suspend my disbelief for more than 20 minutes of. But I'm sure lots of people will like it. Uh, The same with The Winter King. It felt really expositional in terms of its dialogue, like a bit clumsy. And one last thing, unless Adam, you want to jump in on any of those? Just quickly on The Winter King. I couldn't decide whether I was enjoying it or not. And I, I, I fell asleep, I think, in each of the first three episodes. It is quite slow, but 
I really enjoyed the fourth episode and I'm kind of glad that I stuck with it. But yeah, I think you've got to gird yourself for the fact that it's quite a slow paced show in a lot of ways. You like the King Arthur legend and you're prepared for that, then I think you will probably enjoy it and it might be worth sticking with. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, just it felt for me at times there were some quite laborious conversations with people who would already know that information from each other, which I was a bit like, uh, why the fuck are we seeing this then? And then the one thing that I will say that I have only watched the first episode, but I really love on Netflix is called Nothing to See Here. It's a Mexican drama about a couple of guys who live, I can't remember where they live, but they want to move to Mexico City to become stand-ups. So the lead was born prematurely and has a problem with his eyes, so he's completely blind. And his best mate um, is physically disabled. I think he's got quite severe cerebral palsy. And they have each other's back and they head to Mexico City to become stand-ups. And it is very funny. So I, I actually haven't watched loads of Christmas TV. I've been mainly watching films and I want to give a special shout out to Saltburn, which Grace and I both watched independently of each other um, the other day, which is really good. But I mean, you'll want to go and have a shower afterwards. Why? Do you feel particularly dirty after watching it? Yeah, in many ways. You're just like... It's been on my list as well, actually, Saltburn. It's beautifully shot. It's got some great performances in it. I think probably Rosamund Pike for me really just stands out. But they're all brilliant. It's a fantastic cast. I'll just talk quickly about a couple of bits that I've watched. I've watched a lot of TV over Christmas, as I'm sure you can imagine. But I'll spare you the lengthy list. Uh, but two that I want to pull out, uh, The Heist Before Christmas. If you want something a little bit Christmassy, it's a short, sharp watch. It's a one-off piece. Uh, it's about a struggling single-parent Irish family who get mixed up in a bank heist and a Santa mistaken identity situation, or two boys who have no father meet Father Christmas and a bank robber. It's really fun, it's funny, it's charming. James Nesbitt snarls up a good one, but Timothy Spall is utterly delightful in this. The child actors are very good too, and a shout out for Laura Donnelly as the driven to drastic measures mum. But yeah, that's the heist before Christmas. It's available on Sky and Now TV. It's about hour and 20, hour and a half. But yeah, if you still want a little bit more Christmas on your telly, I can recommend that. And the other one is also a one-off show that I watched last night, and that's Men Up, which is on BBC. Uh, this is equally charming. Um, some very funny moments in here, but some moments of pathos too. Essentially, it's the story of five men going through a clinical trial for impotence, for the drug that would become Viagra. It's set in Wales. I really enjoyed the Welshness of it all and some really fine performances in there. And again, that's a one-off in about an hour and a half show. I didn't get to watch this yesterday, but I am planning to. My stepmum and my dad live in Cardiff and one of their neighbours is in it. So I am very excited about that. I'm not sure who plays, but I will find out once I've watched it. Yeah, I mean, just really, really highlights the importance, particularly for men, to be able to talk about their issues. And uh, I think that's the kind of underlying message of it all. I think it's important for everybody. Quite often, women are, are better able and have better support networks to be able to talk about their problems. Not always the case for chaps. But yeah, I thought this was a beautiful one-off show and uh, yeah, would highly recommend. I'll give you one more really quickly. Dead, I've, I, one, the one show that kept popping up in lots of... and I've lots, looked at a lot of end-of-the-year recommendations in top 50, top 10, top 20, whatever. And the one show that kept popping up that I hadn't seen was Dead Ringers on Prime Video. Uh, stars Rachel Weiss, who plays twins Beverly and Elliot, uh, who work in the hospital maternity ward. It is quite intense, shares some stylistic choices, I guess, as Succession does in a way, in that it is that sort of quite intense, shocking, 
stuff. I, I wrote down this is going to hurt on crack. But yeah, I'm quite enjoying it. I'm only a couple of episodes in and I think it is really, really high quality. So um, if you've got a Prime Video subscription and you're looking for something new to watch, then Dead Ringers is worth it. So you recommend a little bit of hurt on the crack? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Other drugs are available. But that is really it from me. Anyone got any final thoughts or tips or news resolutions? And um, for Tiny Tim, who did not die, God bless us, everyone. Is is that the kind of thing you're after or? Sure. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you made it to the end of this, we're going to be back with some specials, I think, in the new year, possibly Mr. Bates in the post office. We're certainly going to be back with some university challenge stuff and demo. <laughs> Double check. So Master Bates is where we're starting. <laughs> Or maybe where you finish, Damo. I think all of our resolution for 2024 should be to work out how to end our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could help us, listeners. You can find us at TVDNAPod on the socials. Email us, TVDNAPod at gmail.com. Other than that, Adam? Other than that, yeah, check out our back catalogue, our, our Christmas special or our 2023 teaser compilation or any of our brilliant episodes, interviews that we did last year. But we'll be back very soon with more. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Caught up on CT. So this new season was actually filmed in Ireland, and we'll see Amnesiac Eliat. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs>